welcome to the Crash Course Podcast. Um, it is I, Matt, here with John and Steve, uh, just three of us this week. Um, and I guess we'll get right into the news. So, a little less than a week ago, it was announced that Trent Reznor is working on the soundtrack for the upcoming video game Call of Duty Black Ops 2. Um, Call of Duty is, of course, a big franchise that uh, has released sequels at nauseum every year, and their latest one will have probably its best soundtrack yet, considering Trent Reznor, of course, is known for his work on with Nine Nails, as well as on the Facebook movie, which is escaping, the name of is escaping me now. Uh, social Network? Social Network. Yeah, Social Network. Yeah. Um, so, I'm sure it'll be solid. I mean, he's a very gifted musician. Well, they're going for a different tone with this game. This game is takes place in a near future... Uh, U.S. versus China with terrorists plotting everything. Uh, uh, an unusual thing for Call of Duty. They tend to only do uh, um, more run-of-the-mill style uh, military games. I mean, the previous Black Ops was unusual because it was, you know, secret histories and weird stuff like that. But it, the the feel of the game, if uh, having Reznor do this, should be interesting. Um, thanks to Rolling Stone, we actually have a quote from Trent Reznor. He had said, There's a lot of reservation and angst and sense of loss and regret and anger bubbling under the surface in reference to the game. Um, so it didn't, make, it didn't make sense to give a gung-ho, patriotic-feeling kind of theme song. It, was, it felt too weighty. So he's definitely, he's definitely speaking to what you said earlier, that this game is going to have a different tone and this music is going to cover that. Yeah, and then he's a good uh, candidate to do that sort of tone. It's nice to see him doing video games again because the only other... No, strike that. He's done two other video game soundtracks. He's done Quake and Doom. No, he didn't do Quake and Doom. I believe he only did Doom. Okay. And he was scheduled to do Doom 3, which I think died before he ever got a chance to start recording. Uh, and he did a weird science fiction alternate reality game. I can't. The name escapes me right now. Uh, That's probably what I'd be familiar with, but <laughs> if you can't think of it, I can't speak to it. Um, next up, uh, Skid Row Reunion Tour. Yes, yeah, supposedly on Sebastian Bach's official Facebook page, he had said that he'd be willing to reunite with his former band for the fans. Uh, the quote is exactly, For the fans, I would be willing to put my ego aside and do something that would be special for the people who put us where we are today. Um, I, I do not personally want it myself, but, if it, but it's not always about what I want. If the fans really want to see us together, I would do it for the fans. Sometimes you can do things for the people other than yourself. That's a little presumptuous. It, to me, it just sounds like him trying to um, endear himself to his fans, but it comes off as pompous and, you know, I don't want to do it, but for the fans, I would consider it. I just, I don't think it's sincere at all. I always dislike when, when musicians take that high and mighty stance, holier than thou. It's infuriating. Yeah, I mean, you know, honestly, if he gave a crap about his fans, you know, he wouldn't have broken up with them in the first place, or they would have worked out their differences... Because they wanted to, not because the fans wanted. No, he wouldn't have said anything if he really did. Oh, like, he would have said, yeah, we're going to do it. I'm, I'm, it's for you guys. That's what he would have said. That would yeah. have been the end of it. Not this whole uh, quantifying it, so almost laying a guilt trip on the fans. Yeah. I mean, I love Skid Row as much, much as the next 80s hair metal fan, but to, 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 to have a reunion based on this, first of all, it would fail. You know, they play a couple shows and then break up again anyway, because clearly it's not about working out their issues. They're not even, like, the lead person, like, the lead band in that 80s hair metal of course style, no, yeah. so they're acting as if they are. Well, <laughs> I mean... Everyone's been waiting for their comeback. Well, I mean, I'd imagine, like any other band, they still have fans, and with Facebook, there's a lot more direct access. So that would bring up why he would say something like this, I'd imagine, is because the internet gives that more direct access with Facebook. Sure, so he's Twitter. talking to the niche. Yeah, essentially, yeah. Gotcha. And that's what the internet's known for, is giving access to the niche, the niche and the niche, or however you want to say it. <laughs> I've heard um, both ways. Uh, of course you have. <laughs> um, the, uh, the next news story is we, uh, as a group, sat down and watched um, Serge Tankin, the former frontman, or current frontman since they br- did break up, of System of the Down. Um, his third solo record, Hari Kari, uh, drops today, and um, he released a very political video along with a very political song. Um, very supercharged and wa- heavy and weighted towards towards, I guess, what's going on now as well as what's gone on in the past. Yes, it. Um, I've always been a fan of political music, 
and uh, anything associated with that. It's why I, I did get into REM, because they were a very politically active group. It's why I like Anti-Flag, Flowbots. Um, the video was super depressing, yeah. but in yeah. an almost uplifting way. I did like it. Well, well, I mean, the, the ending of the video did show that, you know, a couple on the beach getting married and a couple other things that were very positive, but it was after yes. he showed Death he, of Many the, Animals. The negative highly and, outweighed the positive. Oh, absolutely. It was Scud missiles and nuclear launches versus the space program Final Frontier. It, it was, was children running down the streets and soldiers running after children. It was I mean, essentially what we can hope for if we fixed things. That's, that's yeah, the message, yeah. I think. And, well, the, me- the, the words were, were downers, but that was... You know, system of down. They they well, tended to have a very system of a down. They had a um, <laughs> an interesting take yeah. on the world, and they always portrayed that through their music. And Serge always wrote a lot of system songs. He did uh, most of the lyrics, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, um, I, I've always been a fan of System of a Down personally. Right. I, I guess, and that's kind of strange because I'm not really a fan of all that you know uh, really depressing, politically oriented crap personally. I just kind of like good music, and I still think they're great musicians. I think he's a great songwriter, even if you just kind of tune out exactly what he's saying. I still think it's... Right. I mean, there's no denying that the video was well made for what the message he was trying to convey. I mean, that's that's clear. I mean, the thing that was startling to me was, I mean, not only did he include quotes from from Emerson and um, Jean-Paul Sartre, but he also had... Stuff from Lyndon Johnson's famous uh, Daisy ad campaign, as well as speeches from Ronald Reagan. Like he clearly took Jean Paul Sartre. Thank you. Correct. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> I, me fail English. That impossible. Um, but yeah. I just thought it was very, very heavy. Like I mean, I've, I like a lot of political oh, music, yeah. but this was very heavy. But system yeah. always was heavy. Yeah, even their most heavy. Although, although it did the fact that we watched the video, like we saw it, we were yeah. confronted with it. Like I think we'd listen to the song just by itself. It yeah, then we might have heavy. just taken it yeah. for the because, like I said, I'm I'm not too keen to pick up lyrics on a first listen or even a yeah. second listen at that. So it was really the video that did it. And systems lyrics. Versus Surge. Surge's lyrics have been more on the nose. System's lyrics were a lot more cryptic. Uh, Surge's lyrics were in English. That's the easiest way to explain <laughs> yeah, it. He yeah. actually is speaking in complete sentences. Yeah. Um, as opposed, I mean, you take the lyrics from any song on, like, Toxicity. Yeah. you it, you got to puzzle over it. Yeah, it's speaking in code, essentially. But, I mean, that's what I truly loved about System, because once you got the message, it was interesting and fun. And, uh... You know what, Surge? It still sounds like he's working with System of a Down. Yeah, the music I, I mean, is similar. As frontman, as the main singer, it, it the sound is the same. And uh, I'll hear one or two more songs from the album. This album, I'm probably going to buy. Well, let me be clear. I'm okay with music with a message. I just am not okay with really, really heavy political stuff because that's right. that's a very, very touchy issue. That's a surefire way to really like edit yourself out from oh, yeah. people who don't really feel the same exact way. S- someone who, that that's too bad at what he's saying no, in this particular video, but, you know. No, yes, you're definitely, it's you a, know. It's a thin wire. Yeah, you, you have to be careful with it. But obviously he's making it because this is his message. He doesn't care about the repercussions. He's doing it because this is what the art he wants to convey. Fair enough, fair enough. And, you know, I mean, but that's also might be why you, um, back to what John was saying and I was saying before, that might be why you like System of a Down so much more than this because the message, the lyrics were a little more cryptic. They also so have a sense of humor. Yes. They? A very, very strong very sense much. of humor. This is that means sense. they don't take themselves too seriously. It was satirical humor. Right. It was satirical Yeah, whereas yeah. this is very on the nose. This yeah. is There's the state of the world. There's nothing funny about this. No, this is, not at all. As, <laughs> no, he, as John it was, said, it was very really depressing. depressing. It yeah. was very. dead fish and dead birds as far as the eye could see. Yeah. And, and, that, and, and nuclear explosions and fallout symbols. It was, yeah. it was death, really... Death, 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 death. But if you're, if you're into political music, check it out. Yeah, it's definitely worth yeah. a listen to. Um, Although expect to hear the same message that's been preached for the last ten years. There, I said my... my <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Um... On the lighter side of it, we did also watch the video for um, Aerosmith's new uh, single, um, Legendary Child. Oh, um, God. Uh, which is going to be off their upcoming record, Music from Another Dimension. I kid you not, that's <laughs> the name of the album. Um, the video hit all the nails on the head as far as what you'd expect from typical Aerosmith. You know, the repeatable chorus, the, the great guitar riffs, Joe Perry is still on point with his solos, you know, the whole Steve's band still voice plays. has not changed. Not changed since, <laughs> and I, I'd say since the, the early 
90s because the 70s and 80s no. version of them is very different. No. See, right. that, some that, people that, that's stale and stagnant to other people, that kind of takes talent at his age. Uh, I'm telling you, go back, to, go back and listen to Dream On. The original recording of Dream On sounds very different than, than his voice now. But uh, Not that different. Not really. We're not talking night and day here. Well, what year but, was that? Do you happen to know offhand? I don't remember. Uh, it is 80s. quite a while ago. Yeah. yeah, Dream On did come out a while yeah. ago. But if you if you enjoy the video, and actually I loved the video because it was what you were looking for. It was in an Aerosmith. It video. was Aerosmith yeah. playing in a garage with Dip poorly lit stage and you know backdrop and guitar riffs and everything like that, and Steve flying all over. The it place was the hot girl with, on roller skates. With weird, yeah, with weird interspersed scenes that really make absolutely no sense yeah, unless you know the context is actually in. Bit of a disconnect. There. There's always an inside <laughs> joke or something like that. Um, what I felt was the sound. It, it, it sounds like Aerosmith is ripping off of themselves. I don't. Uh, I was never a huge Aerosmith fan. I mean, it sounded like them. You can mix it up with so many other albums they've done. To me, it sounded like typical Aerosmith, and for me, that's okay, because I like... There's some bands that you kind of don't want them to experiment. You're content to listen to their sound until the end of time, and I've always kind of felt that way about them. I, the th- thing yeah, I-, I think they're definitely one of those bands. People who are listening to Aerosmith want that. And yeah. They're not looking for any you know crazy transition to the new realm of music as we see it today. And I think another thing I really liked about the video is that they did a very, you know, they did a behind-the-music kind of spoof on themselves, and the narration was, was very funny. Oh, yeah. And, I was laughing. And I, and I enjoyed that. See? Another perfect example. They don't take themselves seriously. No. They That's never why. have. From the looks of things, it looks like they're actually going to go more well, of a rock opera for this album, yeah. and that's going to be interesting to see how it, the songs will be going one to Because the, the video ended with sure. it to be continued. There is, I, I won't say that they never took themselves seriously. In a lot of their videos, they didn't, but I mean, Janie's got a gun. I Serious video. That's a very serious video. And I think Dream On also a very powerful song. Absolutely. You know, but with their later stuff, you know, they do some serious kind of stuff, but most of their music is very light and fluffy. I I think what it is is they recognize they recognize their age. They recognize how old they are. Well no, they're they're dealing what they love. you can't you can't fault them for that. Yeah. Yeah. And it definitely had like I said, the video is what really sold it for me. I don't know that I would listen to the song on, on the radio and have connected as much if I didn't watch the video because the video was very fun, upbeat, and I enjoyed it a lot. Well, I think it's just important to establish this in comparison to what we said about Lincoln Park because for certain Lincoln Park, you know, they tried to go in a different direction away from the niche, and their niche was pretty strong in its heyday. But most people don't like it. Didn't, where they it went. didn't have the same staying power yeah. As, yeah. as what Aerosmith has proved. So, right, Aerosmith's it, been it around just, for forty plus years. So. Well, so it depends on what you have, and it depends on what you're working with. I think I think theirs is a pretty timeless. They're they're working with the baby boom generation. Like, yeah. You know, when they were in their, yeah, let's rock out kind of stage. Yeah. Lincoln Park was kind of a passing phase, in my opinion. Yeah, well, Lincoln Park was high school music, you know. Yeah. I mean, for me. For me, it was high school music, which I guess is showing my age a bit, you know. But it was, you know, it was a little depressing. There was up notes, down notes. But it was, it was you know, getting through high school kind of music, you know. Yep. And Aerosmith, I still see 60, 70-year-old rockers, you know, yeah. still loving it. Well, they're still it. doing it, so you got that more than yeah. anything else. Yeah. Steve's still around. Yeah. There you go. And you, you can't. Dislike and it. honestly, I'd rather him doing this than doing American Idol, so I'm okay with it. Oh, yeah, that'll be nice. Yeah. The purest so. arena rock star out there. <laughs> they weren't always pure, but yeah, he's definitely he's definitely one of them now. Um, and then, so our final story is going to be, we're going we're gonna to talk a little more in length about, because I, thanks, by the way, all this, the new, most of the news stories I get, I pull from um, Rolling Stone's website. Um, they have great information there. Um, if you ever want to know about what's new in movies, music, they're definitely great to check out, um, so I, I credit them completely for the information that I've gotten. They've been a big help for pulling new stories together. Um, but the final article that we're going to talk about is um, Green Day Today released the lyric video for their new song off one of their three new albums coming out the end of this year and early next year. Um, the new song is called Oh Love. Um, it's off of Uno. Which is the first of the three Uno, albums. Uno, Dos, and Trace. Which are Just in case albums. you get confused, they are in that order. Um, they have released the dates for all three. Um, the first one drops on September 25th. The second one drops on September 13th. And the final one is on January 15th. Um, which I think is interesting to release so many albums so close together. Clearly they've been working on these a while. And well, probably compiled a lot of stuff together. If, uh, if I remember correctly, Billy said... Billy Joe 
said that the three of them have been working in the studio nonstop for a while now, and we're just making song after song after song, and they saw it sort of dividing into three different albums. And they didn't feel like just trying to whittle down to one. They felt like doing three albums because they just made too much good music right now. Green Day, I, I've, I will love them. I have loved them. They're the, one of my favorite bands. Every single one of their albums I do own. They're, I love their music. I love their message. They've evolved. They've grown up with me. So it's a little unique from my perspective mm-hmm. to see a band go from when I was a kid. They were you know making kid music or teen music. And now that I'm on a, well, pretending to be an adult, they're making more adult music. The song they released, Oh Love, um, felt like Basket Case. I mean, it felt like it belonged on Nimrod or Dookie or Warning. It's almost like they're getting back to their roots. They're getting back to their old school sound. They're a band that's never going to stop making music, in my opinion. I have a feeling they're going to be together for a very, very long time. The next Aerosmith. Maybe for us. Maybe the maybe, next. Maybe you know. the next Rolling Stones. And I confess, I'm a little younger here, so I didn't really grow up with Green Day. Or at least when I got into Green Day, they had already been around for a few years, so they had that that establishment. And I'm not a punkhead personally, so that's not my cup of tea per se. But I have nothing wrong with what they're doing. Yeah, I, for me, it was uh, the, the the interesting thing is that in the article that I I had read, um, Rob Cavallo, who co-produced Dookie back in 1994 which feels so long ago, um, is helping to produce the new discs. And I think that's fantastic that they're bringing in someone who helped make one of their best albums, arguably. Um, Not arguably, it's, it's true. It's, it's, their, it's their best album. Well, a lot of people uh, cling to that or um, Nimrod as their best. Yes. So, but, um, but I think that's great. Bringing in a, a classic producer that's someone that you trust and to they, make new new music, yeah, they is gonna they help know them. They've worked with them. They they were obviously friends back then. They're obviously friends now. It'll be nice to see them get back to their roots. And they're the, the song felt like old school, but still was newer. It still had a little bit more of uh, uh, grown up lyrics to it, if you, if I will. It, it sounded better composed, like someone who's been around the block and has done this before. It didn't feel like they were you know a garage band just starting out throwing together a few lines and seeing what worked. So, I mean, we're going to to get old school Green Day with, you know, their better knowledge that they have nowadays is hopefully it'll be great. Yeah, I mean, even um the article quotes uh, Mike Durant, the bassist, um saying that uh, we're just thinking about making a killer power pop record, dirtier backed basics. Um and he says that we tapped into our version of Exile on Main Street, of course referring to the Rolling Stones, as we had mentioned earlier. Um, so they, they definitely do have a, a long career plan, I think, and this, this three-album trilogy for music is going to be interesting, because I can't think of a band who's done something like this at least any time recently. Well, they're saying that the three, song, the three albums are going to be a, uh, a power pop, followed by a garage style, followed by a, an, an epic ode or something like that. Uh, they liken it to you're getting in the mood to party, you're at the party, and then you're cleaning up the mess, which, you know, sounds like them. Yeah. It, it sounds, sounds like, like Green Day. Say, yeah. That's actually a good umbrella theme. I can get on board with that. Yeah. So it's instead of releasing, like, American Idiot and 21st Century were rock albums, uh, rock opera albums, this is going to be a rock opera trilogy. But it's mm. but it sounds more like that's going to be a hard uh, thing to follow when they get to their next project, whatever it's going to be. Whenever anybody has, you know, the really lofty ambition. Okay, twenty first century was sort of like a, a, a lower, not low point, but a lower point for them. Yeah, it didn't match up to American Idiot, yeah. but it's still better. I like it better than a, a lot of the really early stuff. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, well, they can only matured as musicians. I'll agree with that. Yeah, yes, I, it might I, be I really, better. I'll, I'll I'll be the first to admit I really couldn't take much of what they did in the 90s, but when they did come out with American Idiot, at least I gave it a good, solid chance, because I was like, alright, I hear honest maturity. But, I try not to be too, considering what you're saying about 21st century, I try not to be too particular about, you know, the the ebbs and flows of a band as they go up and down, the unless peaks you're in love. troughs. It's, unless it's, you're in love with them, like me. Yeah, I suppose. But, like, give the guys a break. They're on vacation. If they've had a really, really strenuous project, give them some 
give him some leeway. Well, I mean, uh, unfortunately, with being famous in any shape or form, if you do something that one fan doesn't like with the internet, yeah. they can tell you that. Oh, it's not going to be one. Because that guy's yeah, a troll and everybody slaps him down. But if they if they screw this up, they can alienate a lot of their fans. fan base. Oh, yeah. Especially since it's three... Three big albums, it sounds like. Yeah, Three they, big full-length albums. Especially so. if they Rough. screw and They have a really big discography as it is. Oh, yeah. Sure. So, yeah. Uh, so we'll see. I mean, I'm excited for it because it's something different. And the fact that they're they're starting with these lofty goals, I mean, we'll see where it takes them. But I'm excited to hear what we get. I'm just excited because it's Green Day. Yes, I know. <laughs> I line, I, I'll line up for a Green Day album or a Weezer album. I mean, no, those, yeah. that's about it. Well, and that I mean, you, the, there are always bands that that specific people will follow through to hell and back. I did it with Corn for a lot of years, and it's just taking its toll on me I'm now. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Their last album actually wasn't too bad, but the new one, from what I've heard of it, it's just not as good. But you know, we'll 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 cross that bridge if we ever decide to review it. All right. Well, now to the topic of the day: album review. Uh, this would be You Can't Take It With You by As Tall As Lions. This has been a pretty close band to me for about a year or so, but the unfortunate thing is that right after I got into them, I discovered that they were not a band anymore. After about maybe six months or so. I was about six months too late. In fact, there was one little window of opportunity where I could have seen them in a final goodbye concert. Did not get to do that. I'm so so sorry. Yeah, it was pretty depressing. (laughs) But, in any case, that's why we're doing this, because, uh... I mean, I could give a brand new album by another band, but I think this is a little bit more important because since this is my phase currently, I would like to kind of give this as a final ode to the band that we're not going to be hearing any more from. So at least I can do is uh, recommend you their existing work. And let's start with this. It was a interesting album. You know I didn't like it, but that doesn't mean it wasn't actually a good album because it's not my musical taste. This is a band that does sound a lot like Third Eye Blind, like Incubus, like Semisonic. Well, phases of Incubus. They don't sound exactly like Incubus, but yeah. they're... I'm gonna we, say- we, we, we came into the conclusion, Matt made a very good point, that it sounds like a, a more recent phase of Incubus, which I had not heard until he just showed me. And having heard it, I kind of agree. So, but good point. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, th- I think the album was great. I actually did enjoy it a lot. Um... But it definitely went through through stages. It actually is very reminiscent of Case the Elephant's album that we reviewed last week. Um, because it was kind of all over the place, but it still had some kind of pull together, you know, that you could... Flow to it. Yeah. It, it did work together. The songs did lead into each other. It was more um, of a continuous story as opposed to a series of events. It, it was... I mean, you could see, hear the theme, you, you got the same sort of drums, you got the same sort of lyrics, you got the same sort of guitar work, but each song was distinct. Mm-hmm. And that allowed you to differentiate, because... It, it uh, definitely had a loose overall theme, too. I mean, obviously the band, the, I mean, the album's title, You Can't Take It With You, there is sort of that uh, ode to life feeling to it, in my opinion. I, and they, I could definitely see that. They probably felt like they were starting to fall apart at this part. Yeah, well, that's, you that's get there's that more complicated sense. things going on there. But yeah, they did break up about within a year after this, and it had to do with the fact that this album uh, was a very strenuous project for them because they went through something like three producers before they ended up on some guy nice enough to actually work with them step by step, and they got together out in L.A. and finally scrapped it together. But it took over a year to do. and yeah, You said, can definitely tell that there was a toll on the band through these songs. I yeah. mean, especially when you pay attention to some of the lyrics and some of the... The emotional, uh, the emotions conveyed in some of the songs, you can definitely feel this strain and this this passion at the same right. time. And and that's strangely enough, that's really why I dig it. I mean, it's kind of oh, sad. You're of course sad about a you know. I really really like something because it's how they say their goodbyes to us. It's almost a beautiful sorrow in a way. People like depressing music and depressing movies for the same reason. You know. Yeah. You know, you like sad things because you relate or emote. You know, you feel something. I, I, didn't, I didn't get the sadness. I, I heard Discord. It was... And that's a fair, fair observation. Yes, absolutely. The, the, the drum work seemed to be very distant from the vocals. And for me, vocals, lyrics, very important. 
the guitars are what really brought the songs together, and that's why I have to respect it. But I, it felt like at points the drums, the beat, the overall sound was was falling apart compared to how the singer singing. See, that's a strange observation because I feel in a way that's why it works because they have a full range there. Like, yes, the guitars tied together, but because the drums are doing something so drastically different and the vocals are doing something so drastically different, that gives that a full range of, of sounds. It's just like this soundscape ecstasy. Oh, no. It did, especially as some of the songs, um, what, was, what was that track I, I was in love with? In Case of Rapture? Yeah, it was a very good It was one. a faster song, which is, I think, the, the lo- you said the low point of the album. Uh, I'll, it was... I'll, I'll, I'll put it this way. <laughs> when I say low-pointed album, I have this idea that every album, it, it shouldn't just be like, you know, ecstasy, ecstasy, ecstasy the whole entire way. It's just like, you know, it needs to have some, some yeah, again, peaks and tracks. Hill, hills so, and valleys. Hills and valleys, there you go. Peaks and tracks. Eh. Yeah, well, no, the same. song... Tomato, tomato. Yeah, yes. <laughs> that's, that's the sort of song, if, if I heard it during, during my uh, Third Eye Blind phase... Mm-hmm. I would have, I definitely would have thrown this on the same playlist, True. but that's like the best I can say about this album. There's no song that really spoke out to me, uh, and made me really enjoy it. Yeah, it, it was. See, that, that's the, that's the inevitable disconnect here because I, I I got oh let's say circles first track, Love second the track, the third track, the fourth track, <laughs> the were, fifth track. But 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 then then it takes a dive a little bit. And the big problem I had the the, the number one problem was. Even even with the competition between the drums and the vocals, which I don't like because I prefer guitar to either, mm. I could not understand a lot of the lyrics. I really had to pay attention to the words, and it's not something I'm going to be able to sing along to. It's it's something I can hum to. That's a fascinating... Like, uh, I, I'm singing along to this album like... Like it's no one's business in the car everywhere I go. If I heard I'm it enough repetitions, to. yes, I would I would get the, yeah. I would get the lyrics, but it's I have to pay more attention to the lyrics because I'm trying to hear it through the guitar riffs, through the bass, through the drums, through his drawn out words. There was um, uh, Wees be whatin? <laughs> Wees be waiting. Wees be waiting. <laughs> that jazzy, that jazzy. Blues track. Oh, that is not that. No, the jazzy blues track was uh, Duermite. That was the. That yeah, was the. That was the, that was the weird. Okay, that was the really interesting one. Well, I yes. would say weird. I would say interesting. That, that is one of my favorite. It was. Like, it was. It's, one of the best it's almost you album. can't pay attention to what he's saying. You have to pay attention to the guitar work. It's now, very were, soft, but that said, it's almost almost all an instrumental aside from just a little bit. Of and that's that's actually good. I mean, they made their their instruments speak. Yeah. But it's almost like they weren't on the same page with what they were trying to say. They were competing with each other as opposed to just trying to be a band. Mm. I'll take your point, and I have no comment because I simply disagree. And well, no, here's hear, the other I don't thing. hear what you're hearing. I was hearing parts of tracks that were that that were very subtle, and I think could have been cut S- tones and things like that. Like we talked about in one song. There was a, a harp playing. I I could have done without that. It I think it would have made the song I mean, it was like better. An to imitation harp. But yeah, I, I, I mean, feel, felt it could have been better done without that little bit. It's like they threw these songs. They they did such complex songs, and then they couldn't cut anything out of it. See, what I hear simply is layering. Like they layered it. Uh, and I uh, they obviously could have taken it out if they wanted to. All you're hearing is another track. They added it because they felt it was color, and I like color personally. I am. Never short of desiring some form of, you know, uh, intrigue or interest in the band. Um, so when I hear that kind of stuff, I, I just say, all right, they're they're willing to experiment. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, I think that it's clear that this album very much proves my theory that no one hears the same thing when listening to music. I mean, you are physically yes. hearing the same thing, but I you don't interpret it the same completely way. Completely, 100% there. Because also, John, you're not, you're not the first person I've come across to, you know, say that, oh, I, I, I just can't get on board with the lyrics. I can't hear them. Therefore, you know, I have It's too much of a cluster yeah. of music. Now, that's, that's not, just saying, not the way I listen to music, personally. Now, uh, that's just my personal taste. And I can see they're, they have very complex... Uh, harmonics. They have very complex tones. That's what I like to most. And that is very admirable, and it's very nice to see a band that was able to do something with that. Because if 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 I take a step back and look at it, not from a personal point of view, but uh, um, a more you know neutral, I have to say that the album actually was very very well uh, created. Well, it it's it's um. 
while the overall message isn't really conveyed through the lyrics, it's, it's definitely conveyed through the songs themselves, through the interaction of the instruments. It just got to be too much for my personal taste. Well, this brings up another point, which, I mean, we could have a whole other discussion on it at another time, but the difference of listening on headphones versus listening on speakers. I make a big deal out of this because I've, I've encountered personally encountered a lot of uh, disparity between those two listening styles. Mm-hmm. Um, some people might disagree, and then others may simply either say, ah, I'm too old, my ears can't hear at this point, so they don't really care one way or the other. Or they'll just say, ah, you know, I'm fine with earbuds, you know, where earbuds, obviously, you're not going to get every little details. Simply yeah. not going to happen. Now, it all matters how you're listening to it. It matters on your point of view. It matters on your tastes thus far. There's a lot of factors that go into it at the time that you actually push play. Because that's where all the judging is going to start. So, when you're talking about the complexity, right, which you might interpret as clutter, I suppose I enjoy that it's bringing me to the peak like of what I'm able, able to comprehend at that moment. There's a lot going on, and I like that there's a lot going on. It can it can work, and yes, it did. Some of the songs were were definitely my sort of taste, not on you know on the nail, but it was uh, enjoyable. Funny. It was still enjoyable. It's funny because we were like so on the same page with uh, Casey the Elephant, but it was for complete. Like, it was completely yeah, it different was reasons. For completely yeah. different reasons. You're right. And, we happen to have the same two favorite tracks, and here it's almost the exact opposite. The, the point where I consider there to be a, a downturn, you consider it to be like, oh yeah, I'll, that's that's yeah, that's, that. that's the one I'm gonna you know yeah. click. Um, no, one of the songs that you said, uh, I think it was track eight. Is this tomorrow? There was this uh, halting, oh my god, breakdown that I just couldn't stand. And I look over at you, and you're smiling, and you're enjoying it. Like what? You didn't like that? Oh, it's it just it the was just too right much. Now. Are you sure you're not thinking of the one back in uh, Duermente? No, no. This was this was the one slow, of the later. Like, I'm thinking it was a slow went, breakdown. No, that you, you actually no, no, no. Said the was slow not breakdown, breakdown until that the breakdown. Came. It was that it was, was the end of Duermente. Yeah, that was the setup, 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 and setup a little bit more, and then breakdown. Right. So describe and, what you're talking about again. Um, it was like all of a sudden you just flipped the channel, and there was a whole new song, and it wasn't you know. Oh, a whole that was new the song. intro to the final track. It started very slow, and then it kicked in and felt like a different song. Wasn't that the final track? No, no, it was it was track eight because I was keeping notes. Uh, it was halfway through the song. It, it felt like they all of a sudden. Not even two sort of related songs in different genres, but just like two completely incompatible songs just got mashed together. See, that's very, I mean, that kind of says it all right there, because what you hear is jarring. I'm probably not remembering as much because I see more of a, a, a blending, I suppose. Like, to me, there's so much soundscaping going on with them in general that perhaps when I heard that, I just sort of said, just, all right, I, I'm accepting this now. Yeah. I'm intro- probably enjoying it. I don't know. I like I like uh, I like new and intriguing. <laughs> Rule of thumb. I will agree with the point you were making earlier about how how you listen can determine what you hear. Right. I mean, I know that for a fact. The best sound I've ever gotten out of any music is the big ear encasing headphones, the ones that look like ginormous earmuffs. Yeah, those give. I've always given the best sound uh, to oh, me. Yeah. You know, Sen- I don't Sennheiser, own them Sen- Obviously, Bose, but Sennheiser is really, really good for bass. Yeah. Um, I actually had a. We had a suggestion from a fan. Shout out James Agnello. Okay. Who uh, actually suggested that we do a whole entire episode on testing headphones. We could. That actually is not a bad idea. Yeah, well, so we would have to go buy that at headphones. Point. I have three different kinds yeah, of headphones trust in this apartment me, with, all alone. So. With all the people that we know, we could grab you oh, know, yeah, an example definitely. of everything. I mean, my dad has the big ear-encasing one, so I could always stop by my parents' place and pick that up. And, man, we could do this test thorough. We have a control, and we could have a, uh, you know, a song that is, uh, that is stable, that everyone is listening to, mm-hmm. plus a varying track. Probably the, the, be- the best song to use would be something that is towards the complicated side, but something popular. Not necessarily pop music, but yeah. something popular that all three of us know, right. know well. Right, Maybe right. more towards classic classic era stuff. Uh, oh, pr- probably a bunch of genres at once. You actually, have to have, to have a control and a variable for each one. That's true. We could probably do... I would say probably something like Abbey Road or Sgt. Pepper's sure. album. Yeah, that would be a good one. All right. For it. All, All right. right. Well, uh, we're getting off track, but yeah. back to the, the You may album. hear more of that. In, uh, I'm, I'm taking notes now. We're good. We're good. But um, as far as um, as Tall as Lines goes, I mean, for me, 
if I'd heard these band, this band went in the alternative era, as I like to put it, the uh, mid to late '90s when I really started to get into music. I mean, to me, they fit right in with with Third Eye Blind, Eve Six, early Matchbox Twenty. You know, they're they're to one end of it, but they still very much fit into that genre of music. And I think right. that they were very good. It's a shame that they're not together anymore. Um, the the big songs for me, Circles pulled me in, but Sixes and Sevens, I think, which was the second track, mm-hmm. yeah. that one is really what pulled me in. I just thought it was such a great song. And then Dwermite was so different. And I that just, was the climax. That was the, that, that was the climax for me as well. I would agree with that. I just thought that it was... The, the reason I compared them to Case the Elephant is similarly, Case the Elephant was, had so many different styles. You know, Case the Elephant isn't just... One band. They can still kind of fall into the alternative rock category, but they, they dabble with different styles. Same thing with this band. I definitely see that this, they're all over the place. They're R&B influenced. They're blues influenced. Rock. True. Jazz. Even, even looking back at Case the Elephant, like that album as a whole, I think it was really more just two styles and it was a whole variety. Because we heard that sort of modest, mousy, quirky vibe, and then we heard a very, very a much softer side to them. Like, a much more soothing, lulling side. And that was the two tracks that I ended up liking on the Cage album in the end. Uh, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't describe them as a array of genres, now that I think about it in retrospect. This no, is more array, array of genres. This is like, you've got your art. No, like no, that, I, I wouldn't say it's... It took me a while a to wide consolidate variety. that idea. This, one, uh, this, this album is going to be very much a beat-oriented R&B kind of style with uh, very crooner-style singing with very, you know... Lounge-style, you all lounge, Yeah, lounge-style with, with a, a nice little dose of, of a little more punk drum, a little more punk guitar work in there. Yeah, the drum work with, is, with, is one of my favorite things about this. They, they, we had a big discussion about complexity in drum work and how differently we interpret that term. Uh, yeah, you're, you like uh, ingenuity, I like speed. I think that's what the basics got down to. Yeah, and uh, I mean, that, that's, that, but you're going to get both on this album. Is yes. That's what we're trying to say. You start opening with circles, you're going to get ingenuity, and then you get into, uh, into In Case of Rapture, We've Been Waiting, then you're going to go into speed. That's the more um, punky, punkish. Yeah, it's a little dosage. Yeah, but it's for the most part, it's more of a, a, a lounge. I'd say indie. Alt. I'd say indie actually more so because when you think about it, nothing is really true punk anymore. It it kind of gave way to indie in a certain sense. Punk bro, uh, pro, punk was shattered into many categories. All of the know, killers. Yeah, because punk, punk, you know, I, I agree. The punk was the Sex Pistols. Punk was the Clash. Right. You're punk not going to get that today. You know, that, that sound, it doesn't really exist anymore. In, in, except in a few bands like No Effects and MXPX. Right, because all the punk heads eventually became hipsters in the end. <laughs> That's not true. Some of them went back to their alt roots, and some of them just got out of the business. Oh, <laughs> and, and some of them went pop. True. Uh, uh, Quite a a few of them went pop. A lot of them did. True. But they found great success in pop, and they still kept some of their roots and influence in the music that they made. All right. Anyway. uh, Rating. Steve? Rating. 4.8. Okay. Okay. So almost a perfect. So, yeah. Well, it's it's right up your alley. It's very, as you said, complex and genius. Yep. Uh... I'm gonna give it. Uh, I'm gonna give it like a just shy of a four, like a three eight, three nine. I mean, but I'd round up to a four. It's it's not my cup of tea, which is why I won't give it a five or anywhere close to there. But this is definitely what musicians should listen to. This is this will give you ideas. I, what I was gonna say is that this album is for music fans. If you don't like a specific genre, or if you like all genres, this is a very good album for you because it kind of hits a lot of. A lot of notes. Um, for me, I'd give it right smack in the middle between you two. Uh, it's a 4.5. Solid. Yeah, I hope I I, 4.9 for me. <laughs> I, it's, it's and that's a, only because I don't know what in this planet is going to give me a 5. My, I'll probably explode and die under <laughs> a 5. I don't know. Um, I would give it a 4.5, though, and that would obviously be the average. I think it's a very solid album, and if you like good music, and you like um, you know interesting and different music... I think that this is definitely a solid recommend. You know, I mean, if, the, if you're a fan of Alternative, you'll definitely like it too, but you definitely have to have exposure and likening to 
other genres to truly enjoy this album, I feel. I also champion if, the vocals particularly. Very, very passionate vocals. Yes. If you're looking for, for something you really can sing along to, although John may disagree, then I recommend it. <laughs> I can hum to it. And that I can too, strangely enough. Wouldn't you know. <laughs> and for our ad hoc topic of the week. Ad hoc, that's a big word for you. It's five, two words, actually. Yeah, it's five and letters. It's actually two, two very small words. Two Five whole letters. Anyway. Um, patronizing. Um, this week we're talking about music in advertising. Yeah, in marketing. marketing. Um, what brought this up for me is this week... I think it was this week. Borderlands 2, uh, made by Gearbox Software, is a, uh, a video game, came out with a brand new trailer, um, which was set to the song The Lion Sleeps Tonight by The Tokens, which a lot of people remember for its, you know, a wee a wee chorus, which is very famous, and it was very funny. But the thing that got me about this, this ad was it, it was fun, it was funny, and it still pulled you into the gameplay. It showed you all the characters, their and abilities. It was such a contrast with their first trailer, which uh, was done by Nero, who's the, a, with the song Doomsday, which uh, was a lot heavier. Uh, dubstep. Yes, it's, and it was much heavier. It showed, you know, it, it, it played on this epicness of this game. It the was seriousness. visceral. Yes, it, the music was visceral. Where? But the actually in in the second one. The the video itself was visceral, and you have this sweet, sweet song in the background that everybody remembers from The Lion King, and everyone thinks back fondly, like, oh, that's hysterical, oh, that's so cute, and then you're just seeing, you know, blood and guts all over the screen. It was, it was it, definitely uh, memorable. I think yeah. it showed the, uh, the two sides of what the game will inevitably offer you. I mean, it takes itself seriously on one hand. You're going to get to shoot people, and, you know... Get that little uh, little nervous flick off, but but when you get around to uh, to the core of it, I think it's a fun game. Yeah, and and it definitely does show that. And I think this the reason I brought this up first, and we'll talk about other ads and marketing campaigns too. But the reason I bring this one up specifically is because of that, the fact that it's just so broad and gives you this this it, open view. Like I said, it makes it memorable and that's that's very important in marketing. Yeah, you don't have to love it you can love it or hate it as long as you remember it. Marketing's done its job. Yes. And uh, I showed you guys this clip before. If you get on YouTube, type in Hendrix Pepsi commercial. It was one of the funniest commercials I've ever seen. It's uh, got to be close to a decade old if not older. It shows uh, a young child looking at a Pepsi and a Coke uh, vending machines across the street from each other. And he goes to the Pepsi, and uh, he puts the money in, starts drinking the Pepsi, and he sees a guitar in the window and just says, Jimi Hendrix, age 10. And it's and you start hearing Purple Haze going. And across the street, it's got Coke with the accordions above it, and you start hearing Purple Haze done by accordions. And it's hysterical. Uh, Pepsi made themselves synonymous with... We are Jimi Hendrix. I mean, with such a, a 30-second simple commercial, made themselves Jimi Hendrix. And it was just so massively done with just a little bit of music in it. Uh, that's marketing. That's exactly what you're going for. So does this mean that because I'm a Coke fan, I would probably prefer accordion rendition of Coke? No, I think, I, think it's, I think you'll prefer Jim Morrison. <laughs> I probably do prefer Jim Morrison. <laughs> no, I mean, it's... The key to marketing, according to books, is you, you want people to buy things. That's, that's what you're looking for. Well, that's the part of it. Cheapest way to sell your product. And that, dispute me. It's not always about the cheapest, it's the most efficient. You know, sometimes cheap isn't efficient. I mean, you know, the thing about music and marketing specifically, because we could talk about marketing, but I want to talk about music and marketing specifically, is I think that... Music sells a message in such a short amount of time. It's much easier to get a message across with a song than just with blabbing on or talking or story. Story commercials tend to be a lot longer. I mean, we can't talk about marketing without talking about the kings of marketing, who are only recently having decent competition, and that's Geico. Geico has had some of the best marketing campaigns in the last decade. Uh, they, I, uh, they may be the best marketing campaign of all time. It's amazing what they've done. Well, they also handpick their marketers from the top schools. They go for shock and awe, though. I don't know if shock and awe is is 
I don't know, the end-all be-all of marketing. It's not the end-all be-all, but it's definitely the most memorable marketing of of at least the last 10 years. I mean, I can remember every different campaign they've done from the the Geico Gecko to the Caveman to the... The one mu- that's music-related, okay, which is the money about, bills. What about those makes you want to go out and get Geico insurance? See, and that's an important point, and I'm glad Steve brings that up. Yeah. Those commercials are memorable, but I didn't get Geico because of those commercials. I got Geico because my parents had Geico. You remember the commercials because they were entertaining. Correct. And, uh, and that's all well and good for their popularity and everything, but that does not raise their sales, so that correct. doesn't really help. Well, no, I... Opinion. Are you in good hands? I mean, that's a slogan you remember for, for that's insurance. Great. Yeah, that's But great. you don't remember the commercial specifically. You don't remember... It's not like you can replay in your mind, Oh, ha ha, ha ha, the, the gecko made a joke. The I mean, the guy who said... Uh, and actually, all states... A little too serious. <laughs> but all states been in good competition recently <laughs> But that's recently what you want. With... See, I want, I want seriousness when I'm talking about insurance. I don't, I don't really want too much comedy. See, but I disagree, because I feel like the best ad to sell car insurance in a long time is the Mayhem commercials. And they're not serious. But ooh, good point. But they good talk point. Those about are very effective, and they although they're not always music related, they talk about the dangers of the road, but in a funny way, and that's what's pushed Allstate almost above Geico now because those ads have been so visceral okay, and that, so memorable. That, that's an amazing point. I completely withdraw my uh, <laughs> humor versus. Uh, but versus I mean, but to bring but, it back but, around to but the thing is, the point is Geico. It's not relevant. That's right. what you need for almost as relevant. And you're very. That's very why correct. I like the Mayhem commercials also. Right, and that's why I like those Borderlands commercials I, I mentioned earlier because they're relevant to the game as well as having great catchy music that gets stuck in your head. I mean, I downloaded Nero's song Doomsday because of that trailer. Hmm. And great marketing with music has to go hand in hand. It's why I got into Cage. Right, because of the first the the first uh, Borderlands the op- featured uh, Ain't No Rest. Right. And the intro to the game plays the song in its entirety, almost. Okay, well, now another point. I think, just to play devil's advocate here, I think they're getting a little bit too carried away with borrowing other artists' music. Because you mentioned earlier, the jingles from the 50s and 60s probably stopped around the 70s and 80s or so. But past that point, you don't have too many original too many original jingles. That's you got, true. You got that. There's a million that. toys of Toys R Us as I can have Honestly? People remember that. Yeah, I know. Yeah, of it's, course. Well, more so than they do uh, a commercial where they simply borrowed another artist. Well, work. it's more like the commercial that you love today, you're going to forget in a few weeks because you're going to stop liking the song, yeah, or the song very, is played out on the radio, right, and very, all of a sudden... I mean, everybody list. knows, you know, Silly Rabbit, Tricks are for Kids. I mean, it's... Yeah, well, they, they didn't rely on someone else's popularity. Right. Uh, that's... Kind of a shame that the jingles died out. It is because well, they were they were great. But, I mean, you remember things because of that. But that that's that's more difficult to achieve because that means they have to hire somebody to write something specifically for that commercial, and that costs a lot more than simply buying the rights to an existing. Not song. necessarily. Some artists are going to have very expensive songs. Well, honestly, the most the most Some. the most recent um, advertising campaign that I can think of that has original jingles. And they're not jingles; they're actually full songs. Are the um, freecreditscore.com commercials? In fact, they did that band search to, to find the new yeah, credit score kids. That, that's creative, right? Yeah. I, I so I, I I think that with marketing and music, it goes hand in hand. And I agree that jing- I do miss jingles. I wish there were more. But I also think that you get a certain something with with using actual songs. I mean, let's look at Pepsi, especially for example. Pepsi has made a career out of making commercials with famous pop artists, Britney Spears, Michael Jackson. I mean, these artists have who are at the height of their popularity, that's when they release a commercial featuring them drinking their product. Madonna has right. done advertising as well. I don't remember if it was for Pepsi specifically. Yeah, well, you, when you look at it from the band's perspective, it's definitely a positive thing. Oh, yeah. They gain popularity. And, you know. It might not always be the best for marketing, and I understand what you're saying, right. but definitely for the artist, I mean, I wouldn't have known, I'll say wholeheartedly, I wouldn't have known for Cage of the Elephant if they weren't in the trailer and the game for Borderlands, the first Borderlands. That's when I first heard their song. Mm. I loved their music, and then I, I looked them up and, and started listening to them. And that's why I'm stuck here doing this Ode to His Tall Lions, because they did nothing for nothing. <laughs> Yeah. Also true. Well, they weren't catchy. 
Say again? They weren't catchy. They were ah, complex. But you did not hear the first the album, the 2006 album, the t- the uh, As Tall as Lions album. Well, you I can... bet you would hear a lot more pop stuff going on uh, then. Well, that's bur- when they about put them on the zip drive. I'll put them on my my uh, my phone. Sounds good. I'll that's when they were wide eyed optimists. So you know you can't you can't blame <laughs> them for going. But somewhere. um, well, I, the other thing I wanted to talk about was specifically like you get a lot of uh, artists and bands almost selling out their music. And it's getting worse in in more recent years. But where, it's not see, always. Now that's a great point too, and that's another reason why I like his Tall Lines because they didn't sell out. So now the, two sides th- to every the thing about that though is that it's not always the band's fault. I mean, there are some songs that after the artist has been dead a certain amount of time. No, no, I'm not talking about. Like I'm not talking about dead artists or broken up bands. I'm talking about people in our world right now selling products using their favorite song that was you know released two weeks ago three weeks ago i mean i we get saturated with a lot of new 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 uh the newest albums the newest artists newest products and they keep linking them all together and you can't you know think of one without thinking of the other and uh, what was that band you were talking about before which that one? was uh, using all their that the their music was in all these different TV shows. You played a little bit for me. Oh, um, One Republic. Yeah, I didn't recognize the song until I heard it, and I did not recognize the lyrics because that part had never actually been played right, on any of the TV been in shows. A commercial or in a TV show, correct? Which is just that's terrible. You you wrote this song, and you're not going to have the lyrics featured when you're selling it to someone. That's 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 atrocious. That means you just supplied a beat. That means that's all you are to this corporation. So first, as a musician, <laughs> as a music lover, I'm going to speak to this. Any exposure is good exposure. Um, yes, it sucks I that they may not that. get everything, but any exposure is good exposure. H- however, I do agree that I don't like that certain bands sell out from a music fan's perspective. From a marketer's perspective... You have to get people to sell out it's sometimes. It's the yeah. ultimate partnership. If you get a band that's at the height of its popularity... To give you their music, to sell your product, you nine times out of ten you'll sell your product. And that's also really like you know musicians do want money in the end. Yeah, they they need money. Any musician, they're going to be broke garage bands for the rest of their you life. You know there are there are musicians who play their whole life and aren't looking for money. There aren't any popular Banana, and those guys, and by popular those are the I, ones you really got to respect. Right. And but there are. However, popular musicians, and I say popular, not necessarily pop music, but popular as in have a large fan base outside of a local area, they are going to want to sell their record or sell their merchandise or sell something. They have to. Well, because in the end, it comes down to money. Yeah. In in order to make music, you need money. In order to get money, you have to sell albums. In order to sell albums, you have to make proper music. Uh But but technology is going to make that incredibly cheaper. Like, to make music, yes, you correct. may not need as much money. Correct. Yeah, but you're not going to be making necessarily good music. That's not uh, true that's at all. That's not true in the yeah, slightest. actually, no, you're wrong. Computer, with yeah. computer processing power these days, you can make some phenomenal you beats do and know export that them out to you a high quality. No, 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 I'm not talking about the technology. I'm talking about the person is not necessarily going to make good music. Okay, but if you filter through that... The yeah. point is it's still possible. Yes, because... The point is the severely, you know who Trent, the severely broke a good musician can make it now. I'm going to bring it back. Remember Trent Reznor, that guy who did all of Nine Inch Nails music, yeah. except live? Oh, yeah. That guy? Yeah. You know what he uses to make music? Who? A MacBook and GarageBand. Oh, now I feel really bad. And that's <laughs> it. No, no, no. And he's also using a Mac. It. Well, Mac is yeah, the best that's, audio that's, engineering tool. That's a whole mod. other thing. Also, but that's that a different, I don't yeah. like Mac, but I accept that they're useful in that. <laughs> but, but my point uh, is, though, is that Trent Reznor, who is a seasoned musician, who could get any kind of equipment he wants, uses that because the technology's gotten to a point where someone with that kind of talent can make yeah, music. Yeah, but he's darn good at making music. Just go to any I mean, live show lately. That's becoming a very popular thing to do on stage. They're going to bring out their instruments, they're going to bring out their basic equipment, and they're going to bring out a laptop. Actually, uh, do dubstep. that a lot. Dubstep oh, is well, the I'm not even, example. I'm not even talking about dubstep. <laughs> Come on, that's all It's all stuff. electronic anyway. Yeah, but well, I'm talking I about to... regular bands will actually use some of their tracks just to lay down something. Well, there's themselves. a lot of... Uh, well, they'll have a video in the background, you know. Yeah. There's a lot of remixing just on a basic album of getting the voices right and changing up the voices right. and you got that that actually repeat the phrase kind of a thing that's very popular actually a band that i really like that we'll talk about more when we cover um nerd culture music music specific to nerd culture especially or rooted in nerd culture this band kirby crackle who i i quite enjoy they did a song about green lantern 
that's close to my heart because I love the Green Lantern. Um, their newest album is live from Seattle, and it's a fantastically recorded album, and it was all recorded live on stage. But you don't have the crowd cheering and, and all that other stuff. It's there, but it's not as prevalent as the old live albums. You can now make an album where it's capturing what you're playing oh, yeah, because they take, without capturing they take the audience. They take uh, the direct line out. I, I, have, I have some uh, Rat Dog. And that's, Rat Dog is the... Um, I think that's going to be a big future for, for recording music also because you get the best feedback at live shows. Yeah. Like I said, I, I, I saw Rat Dog well, at the... At the and you're at the peak of your condition at a live show. Anybody well, familiar with Rat Dog? Anybody? No, no, <laughs> not at all. Head. Anybody familiar with The Grateful Dead? Yes, yes. of course. Perfect. Then you're familiar with Rat Dog, because <laughs> one or two members got together afterwards, and oh, that okay. is basically the current thing. Gotcha. Well, I recently... Uh, I was listening to Slacker Radio, because that's all I listen to, um, and I was uh, going through the uh, techno stations, Okay. and it was... I, I heard a live... Uh, around the world slash harder, faster, uh, stronger, uh, blah, blah, blah. Daft Punk harder, remix. Better, faster, yeah. Harder, better, faster, stronger. Yeah, yeah. Like uh, a remix together Where from they a took live. Song. Yeah. It was, uh, honestly, I liked, it, I liked it better good. than the first two. Yeah. The song sure. separately. Um, anyway, back on topic. Yeah, we're getting sidetracked. But but the point is, is that I hey. feel like <laughs> there are few marketing campaigns that don't benefit from having good or memorable music. I feel like that's really a great component to great commercials. You can have great commercials without it, but I don't feel there are many with it that don't succeed. Baby E-Trade. Like I said, you can have some without it. I'm not <laughs> saying that you can't. Uh, I, I love the baby. Yeah, I know. Uh, You're no fun. It's annoying. But I'm, what I'm talking about specifically <laughs> is that mu- catchy music lends itself to a commercial. It may not get you to buy the product, but... It will at least make you remember it, which is half the battle that marketing is trying to make. Of course, you want them to go out and buy the product. Well, one of my one of my favorite, um, one of my favorite commercials, one of the more respectable commercials I've seen in the last few years, uh, wasn't even a direct music commercial. It was Eminem talking about the Detroit automotive industry with his music playing in, in the, the background. background, and it was sort of like we make cars and I'm awesome. But it was it was portrayed in such a way it was it was almost gripping. I mean, it's powerful. It was just properly done. Where you you kind of started rooting rooting for Detroit, and it's it's Detroit. I am in a hundred percent as far as that concept because I believe it was. Uh, this could really hurt my case if I forget the name of the company, but I really want to say it's Ford. Please let it be Ford. Anywho, there is a commercial that came out about a year or two ago. It, it may have actually been during the Super Bowl at some point. But it started off with this very solid uh, drone. It sounded like it was a factory just churning out, you know, production. Like there was just stuff coming off assembly line. Just this boom, chin, boom, chin, right? Right. And they were showing uh, splices of, uh, like a whole montage of um, America's automotive history. Yeah. And not just that, inventive history. Right. It was basically a slogan with something like, America has made great things. Let's... Let it continue to do so, basically. Right. That, I think, was... Railroads, uh, it shows a bunch of other That things. wasn't Ford. That was either GM or Chevy. You could and be G- right Yeah, on I think that's what it was, because it was... If it was a Super Bowl commercial, it was not Ford. The point, they, yeah, maybe. maybe yeah, right, I do remember that commercial specifically. Yeah. I it just was, remember, you, you talked about gripping, and that was equally as gripping to me. And, yeah. the, and the music is what did it to me. It was the second was I heard that, beat. I just... I wanted to think industry. I wanted to think productivity. Like, and that's, that's the best marketing. If you can, it, well, if you can associate listening and seeing something to an emotional attachment, you're going to be able to... You're going to hear the song and want to buy the product. Well, yeah, you're going to be you able want. to sell a product. Yeah. yeah. Uh, sure. some, of the, some of the best commercials were some of the weirdest. Will it blend? Yeah. Everybody's thought about, well, I wonder if I could blend a Nokia. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's it's the weird little things. Right. Uh, infomercials, they don't actually use a lot of music, but it's all about, you know, repeating the same words over and over right. and over again. And that's what you can do with music. That's what a lot of music does. That's how music becomes popular. It's because you, you create this repetition that people identify with. Well, I actually thought it was kind of funny when we were discussing this topic and how to present it. Is it marketing and music or music and marketing? Because there are two ways to look at it. Is that does it benefit the company or does it benefit the musician? And well, usually I, the answer is very different. The one, the one big thing that uh, will show that is uh, Super Bowl and the Super Bowl commercials that surround the halftime show. 
And people, sure. people who watch the Super Bowl halftime show, which d- varies. I, I saw the one with the Who. I did not watch, watch the one with the with Prince. Just not my taste. Or right. who, who was it? The this year was, or the most recent Super Bowl was Madonna. Yeah, and it was her new single. No desire. Right. I'm not a Madonna fan. Never will be. Um, but I do remember the one with the Who. I did watch all the commercials through, and it was they were using music to sell something, right. and they were using it indirectly, and it it works. I mean, every year the Super Obviously. Bowl commercials go for most expensive millions of dollars, millions of dollars a minute. Yeah, uh, you're talking the creme de la creme, and most of them have been flops the last few years. Nobody cares uh, because they haven't hit that same chord like the old school ones did with the you know Budweiser frogs that everybody remembers. Right. Um, Those are but, more slogans than music. I, I think yeah. in the end, slogans are probably more effective, but it depends. Uh, yeah, I think for I, the company. Yes, I think each each. I think that the video game industry and movie industry benefits very highly from music and marketing. Right. Well, it's glad the jingles worked because they incorporated right. the slogan within the song. Exactly. But um, I think that's all the time we have for this week. Um, thank you for tuning in. As always, you can reach us through CrashCordsBlog at gmail.com with your questions and comments, as well as comment straight on the site. Um, we've got big things coming to Crash Chords. I'm working on setting up a URL and many other things, expanding us. Um, we want to we grow this into more than just three guys in an apartment talking about music so um stay tuned for that um please read we've put put up articles all of last week we're going to try and do uh a podcast and two articles a week going forward um if you have any suggestions for an album you'd like reviewed or specific questions for us or artists you'd like us to try and get in contact with or contact information if you are are an artist and would like to be on the podcast uh please go ahead and email us so we can uh get back to you and have you on And as always, music is life and and life life is is good. good.